African-Americans make up one of the largest voting blocks in Chicago, which means many of us have taken the step to register to vote. But too many of us remain silent when it's time to make our voices heard. At a time when our conversations are as polarized as they've ever been, we must exercise our political power. Dear Black Voter, I'm Calmetta Coleman, Senior Vice President of External Affairs for the Chicago Urban League. Local and state elections matter. And if you're not voting with knowledge, you're not voting with power. Welcome to our six-part series on voter education. It's time you had a seat at the table. Pull up a chair. Your host, Doma T. Pongo. Thanks, Calmetta. This week, Cook County Clerk David Orr gives us some updated information on early voting. He also explains non-binding referenda and why they're on the ballot this March. Dear Black Voter, it's time to vote with knowledge. Some Dear Black Voter, we welcome Cook County Clerk David Orr. First of all, thank you for taking the time to join us, and I really appreciate it. My Um, pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, talk to us a bit about what the Cook County Clerk does. Well, one, they're responsible for conducting um, all elections in the suburbs. I'm the chief election official for Cook County, but when it comes to elections, we have a separate city board of elections. Okay, so they run the city, I do the suburbs. I have a big tax department, and the tax department, we deal with tax delinquent property, and we set the tax rates for all the hundreds, almost 1,500 taxing bodies, big ones like Chicago, small ones like the Dixmore Park District. So we do a lot of camp- complicated uh, evaluations of how to set those tax rates. We have a big vital records department uh, where people go with 24 million records, you know, get your birth, marriage, death record. Um, so, for example, on the tax front, that gives me uh, opportunity to do a lot about TIFs, tax income and financing, which is something that's very important but the public does not understand. But it's millions and millions of dollars. In fact, it's over $6 billion spent in the last 25 years. Um, and the vitals gives us a chance to, for example, we're very much engaged in the, the move to have equality marriage, uh, which is pretty exciting. Um, and something new in the terms of the uh, vital records department is we now provide free certificates. There's a lot of people that come out of jail or come out of some really impoverished situation that can't move ahead because they can't get the records, they can't afford to get that. So we've passed a new new laws which allow us to help those in great need. Um, and we're also clerk to the board, which means we keep all the votes and all the records of how commissioners vote and so forth. And finally, we have an ethics department. So we handle lobbyist registration mm-hmm. for all those people who lobby county government. Uh, so a variety of things like that. It's an office that uh, has major functions. Um, unlike many of the offices has one, you know, the treasurer has one major function, the assessor has one major function. So it's been an exciting office. Absolutely. And, you know, you talked about uh, the TIF being something that people engage with but don't fully understand right. uh, in a very real way. And in a lot of ways, the primary election process is something that we engage right. with but don't fully understand. Explain exactly. how the primary election process differs in Illinois versus other states. Okay. Well, in Illinois, um, we have more of a limited primary. Now, again, any voter out there um, has the right when they go to vote March 20th, if they go to the polls, or if they go to early voting start starting next Monday, March 5th, um, you have the right to choose. In other words, let's say you've been a lifelong Republican. Well, if you want to take a Democratic ballot, you can, or if you've been a lifelong Democrat. So you can choose the ballot you want, okay? Um, so you've got a right to do that, um, but it also means it's one or the other, 
Right. Okay. Whereas in, in California, they've changed some laws um, where the party becomes a little less important. Okay. Um, so I wouldn't call ours real strict, but the notion is um, Democrats get to pick their people who will run in November, Republicans get to pick theirs. And when certain third parties qualify, like the Green Party or others, if they do certain things, they can also get on the ballot. And there are some Green Party candidates on the ballot. Uh, so in that sense, it's, it's like it, it, it is a disincentive for many because they don't want to be labeled. Now, what we try and do, I tell all my election judges, you know, in the old days, they'd say, well, are you a Democrat or Republican or, you know, you know don't just say, which ballot would you like today? Right. Okay. okay. Would you like it? Because people don't like to be labeled. Uh, and you can imagine in some places in Cook where if you're a Republican, you feel pretty nervous about it and <laughs> right. vice versa. Right. Um, so that, that's what we do in Illinois. And there's a lot of different talk about different things in different places. Um, but uh, the, the primary does allow each party to pick their people, but it also mean it's a, it's a factor in why the turnout is much lower in primaries than in the general elections. What do you think the biggest driving factor? You think is because people would rather not elect what uh, what party they're affiliated with? You think that's the biggest? Driving I think that's a big like? factor. Is that people are afraid of being labeled, particularly mm -hmm. nowadays? You've got people that see themselves as independent. And I might vote Republican sometimes, Democratic sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, now, of course, less so in a place like Chicago. Right. Um, and the opposite, perhaps, in DuPage County. Um, but I do think it's a disincentive. And so we, we try and educate people that, like I say, you can pick whichever ballot you want. And in many cases, like for county offices, it's almost always whatever Democrat wins on March 20th is going to win in November. I mean, there, there, years ago, there were Republicans that won countywide, but it's not likely. Um, so if you don't vote in this local elections, you may have no say who might be the county board president or the county clerk or the county assessor. Right. Yeah. For like, for example, you got the attorney general, Illinois attorney general. We've got nine candidates uh, or eight of them are Democrats, uh, I believe. And whoever wins that primary is most likely to win down unless Erica, Her Erica Harold uh, makes out it, you know. Yeah. And you can't always say that because right. that's usually more competitive statewide. But yeah, it's, it's a um, it's, it's hard to say now. Illinois has become more of a blue state. But again, Rauner did get elected yes. uh, as a Republican. Um, so there'll be, there'll be some key battles. And of course, when it comes to November, mm -hmm. people just get a ballot and they'll have all the candidates on there. And you can right. choose whether it's a Democrat, Republican, or third party candidate. Before we move on, what are some of the pros and cons of the way uh, this process works in Illinois, where you get to choose whether or not, what ballot you get? Well, the, the pros, I think, from party people are, well, it's not fair if, let's say, the the Democrats are picking their people and all of a sudden there's a bunch of Republicans voting because they, they might vote to pick the weakest Democrat that would likely lose. Right. So to that's, that that's yeah. the one argument. Um, but I think uh, there's other arguments that are strong, too, is that you want greater participation, like for the reasons I mentioned, yeah. that often the primaries determine the winners, okay, or it determines the direction of the party. You know, I, me personally, I'd love to see the Democratic Party more open and transparent and more progressive. Okay, so I've kind of battled the old machine for many years. So it's harder for uh, our types, the reformer types, in these party primaries uh, because the old elements of the party or what's left of the old machine uh, have undue influence there. Um, so you can go either way. I do think technology allows us to do some better things in the future. Well, speaking of tech, we're able to vote online and vote early online. Is that correct? 
We can, well, on, online, but online, first of all, in terms of registration, mm -hmm. uh, uh, one of the big changes is you can register online. And you can still do that till March 4th. Okay, and that's important. In fact, you see lots of thousands of young people just take their phone and they can register online. So that's great. Uh, when it comes to voting, uh, I don't want to use the word online. Okay. <laughs> okay. But um, I introduced early voting back in 04 and 05 to Illinois, and it's been a huge success. In fact, in the 2016 um, election, 42% of the electorate voted before election day. Now, that could be early voting, which, like I say, starts um, Monday, uh, the 5th, or it could be mail voting, because now everybody who's a registered voter in Illinois can vote by mail if they so choose. And, of course, they just need to get their applications in for mail balloting. Um, and then we have lots of other things. We've already started what's called grace period voting, uh, which is taking place now uh, just in our suburban offices uh, and downtown Chicago, but starting Monday with early voting starting, they'll also grace period be taking place at all the early voting sites. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I mention all these sites, in suburban Cook, there's 53 sites. In Chicago, there's 51 sites, you know, one in every ward plus downtown. And in early voting, voters can go to any of those sites. You can live south here, but visiting your mom in Evanston, and you both can go to the polls in Evanston. Oh, wow. um, so there are more opportunities Okay, but it is important that people understand those options. Let's talk a bit about uh, this idea of early voting. And there was a bit of a snafu earlier this year. There's a, a day by which you want early voting to happen, but then with ballot challenges that come from from uh, different candidates, that can delay the process. Uh, when can folks begin to vote early, and why was that process delayed this okay. year? Um, let me try and clarify something. As the sponsor of early voting, we're getting our languages mixed up and no offense to my friends in the press. Early voting is not late. Early voting is supposed to be March 5th. It's supposed to be two weeks before the election. Ah. Okay. The difficulty is we have all these other things, like grace period, um, voting by mail. So the media tends to use early voting. In that a, would be me. It's partly because the law is not clear. Right. Okay? okay. And when there was some good reforms uh, actually passed around 2015, there was some mistakes in the law, and they haven't corrected it yet. Gotcha. So what you're referring to is there used to be something you know, having to do with um, registration that was 40 days out. And so what the confusion that you're talking about is some people say, well, voting was supposed to start 40 days out, and a lot of places are starting late because the ballots aren't ready. And so the point is that that, that kind of pre-election voting, which says 40 days, that's totally different than early voting, because that's only in the headquarters of the county clerk. And in some counties in Illinois, that might be 150 miles away. So very few people take advantage of that. Got it. 98% of all the early votes will be in the normal early voting period of March 5th through the day before the election. Okay, so I try and distinguish between what I call real early voting in all these sites uh, and closer to election where people are excited and so forth, and what we call pre-election voting, which has started. So the answer to your question though, is there is pre-election voting, but again, that's only in um, the county clerk offices in the 102 counties. Makes sense. So see, see what I mean? So it's, yes. it's, it's not as convenient as real early voting, then you can go to, like I say, 53 sites in suburban Cook and 51 sites in Chicago. 
So that previous date that we often saw seen on uh, ChicagoElections.com, that February 23rd, that was the 40 days out. That's 40 days out, and it's really not the early voting as we introduced it back in 04 and 05 gotcha. when it first took place in 06. Um, but, you know, it does get confusing. But you're right to point out that, see, in some downstate counties where the ballot's much more simple, they're ready. Their ballots are ready 40 days out. So, again, if you want to go all the way into the county seat or the county clerk's office, then you can vote. But, again, most people don't do that because it's not convenient. They wait till what I call real early voting, particularly in the bigger jurisdictions up north where they have lots of sites, Lake County, Will County, DuPage County, Cook County. Let's talk a bit about some of the things we'll see on the ballot that aren't just uh, voting for candidates on either side of the aisle. You have referenda that uh, we tend to vote for. I remember a few years back, uh, well, maybe on, on this ballot, March 20th, we'll get to vote on whether or not legalization of marijuana should be on the ballot, uh, should, should be legalized in Illinois. But it's a non-binding referendum. What is a non-binding referendum? It means that it's just a um, kind of a popularity contest. Uh, California, on the other hand, uh, and some other states have legally binding referendum, okay, which means if it passes, it becomes law. Now, we did have that in Cook County recently, okay, so there are different kinds of referendum. You might remember that just in 2016, it was on the ballot, it was binding, okay, that they were going to um, do away with the county recorder's office and put those responsibilities into the county clerk's office. Right, and that right. passed overwhelmingly, and so that's targeted to take place by 2020. But the vast majority of these are, you know, it's a way of seeing what the public thinks. Now, other states do it differently. But there's some seamier sides uh, to that because, uh, remember, power always wants to control things. Uh, I mean, the most important thing we can learn if we want to change things is to understand how power works. And so what happens often in Chicago and Cook County is a law was passed to say you can only have three referenda. Now, some of that I appreciate because we don't want the ballot to be too long. Mm -hmm. But what that means is the city council can pick three referendum that might be meaningless to make sure there's no referendum, let's say, about police brutality, for example. Or the Cook County can do the same thing. They can have three fairly meaningless, good-sounding referenda, and that means people who want something more substantive won't be able to get it on. Okay, so that battle also takes place uh, throughout Illinois. And so with these referenda, does this become a way that politicians can say, hey, look, 98% of the voters in Cook County would like for this thing to happen. Let's try to make this legislation. But usually what happens is, is that thing fall by the wayside. Exactly. That's part of it. Remember, but there are other, other referenda that have to do with money that are real. And, you know, because remember, lots of school districts are seeking financial help. And they have referendums, and when they win, they get to increase their revenue, et cetera. So there's, there's lots of different types. And yes, part of it is just persuasion, mm -hmm. that you want to prove to maybe your colleagues in elective office or others that people really support your ID, mm -hmm. your idea. And so you see, you see a lot of referendums just like you in one precinct. Mm -hmm. Okay, So those are more persuasion. But there are others, like I say, the ones that have a financial tag to it. Mm -hmm. Okay, that are really important when a, like a school board or a park district or there might be some local referendum that has a dollar tag on it. Mm -hmm. So that's important, too. We have we have lots of uh, local referendum. We only have three county wide because of the reasons I mentioned. Okay, but there's lots of ones that might only affect one town or a few precincts or particular area. Makes sense. Uh, lastly, we talked off camera about uh, running for office toolkit. Uh, what is that? 
Well, remember, um, they have a lot of offices to run for, far more in the local elections that take place next year than right now. But right now, we got state reps, and we got state senators, we got Congress people, we got judges, we got ward committeemen, township committeemen, lots of different offices, as well as the more well-known uh, state and county ones. And when it comes to next year uh, and the local elections, not just in Chicago, but there's people run for school board and library board and park board and alderman and trustee. And, you know, to encourage good people, sometimes they don't know what to do. Again, mm -hmm. in Chicago, because of some of its old politics, they make it tough on new candidates or tough on third parties. And so we want to have something that we one stop shopping, that you could go online and see everything you needed to know. Okay, if you want to run for school trustee in Thornton Township or something. So <laughs> that's we, where we, high school. That's right. Yeah, so, so we made that available. We started with the local elections mm -hmm. and it, it got a lot of participation because remember, it does get confusing. Yeah. And, you know, we want candidates to, to offer their credentials and run for office. And so this they can see everything they do right there online, all on one spot. And then we expanded it this year to include some of these state offices, at least local state reps and state senators. So it's something that's catching on. It'll be really important next year all throughout the county um, because there are elections in Chicago and all those hundred and some municipalities. Uh, so it's just a convenient tool that with modern technology we can do it and it helps people to not get caught up in some of these little teeny things that might knock someone off the ballot. Right, right. And and just, just one more thing, too. I want to get your thoughts on how can we um, better make sure that we get more engagement for primary elections, being that they're so important, especially in the state of Illinois. Well, well a, a couple of things. One, of course, um, voters are smart. I mean, sometimes they'll participate well, when there's real competition. Okay, for example, in, in the local elections in suburban Cook that will be taking place in 2019, there's many races where there's three people getting elected for school board, but there's only three running. Okay, and the voters are smart and, you know, sometimes they don't vote because they feel it's not going to make a difference. Or they're perfectly satisfied with the park district people and what they're doing. Uh, so we have to counteract that and we, we want more competition. Um, and we also want people to understand, like we said earlier, that sometimes uh, very powerful politicians start out with a school board, okay? Uh, Carol Mosley Braun was uh, a county recorder, okay? Um, we get lots of examples like that, and people move up to become very influential. Uh, so that's why it's important to, to pay attention to that. And those local races, particularly things like school board, that's where most of the money's spent. Remember, 52 to 3 percent of every tax dollar that we pay in property taxes goes to the schools. So that, that's an agency that has more money than the park district and the local cities and so forth. Um, so, and part of it is just for people to know enough and to understand, and with modern te technology, you know, I mean, shows like this, but also what people can do online and social media, mm -hmm. is that the real challenge, and Harold Washington was the best at this, the real challenge is to know who's full of it and who's not, frankly. Uh, because every politician is going to try and put the best light on what they do and minimize the bad things they do. Uh, and so we need, um, everybody needs people they can trust, whether it's a newspaper, whether it's you on the radio, whether it's uh, social media, everybody has their sources, but that's a big problem for voters. That's another reason people don't vote. 
there's so many candidates on the ballot, like all these judges. Mm-hmm. You know, those judges should not be on the ballot if I had my way. There's too many of them. Nobody knows who they are. Even a lot of lawyers don't know who they are. And voters don't like to go in there and say, you know, I, I really didn't know what to vote for. And I realized I just voted for somebody that two years later goes to jail. You know, voters do care. So when they sense there's real competition, when they sense there's somebody really going to make a difference, again, look at what happened to the voting numbers when Harold Washington ran for mayor a long time ago. People came out of the woodwork. Look what happened in uh, when Barack Obama, for example, ran for president. More people voted. More young people voted. Um, and in 2016, when there was much less competition, people didn't vote. Even 2014, in the primary, the same, you know, four years ago, same primary, um, governor, the candidate, Rounder running for office, they decided not to run any Republicans for Cook County offices. Mm-hmm. So Tony Preckwinkle had no opposition. I had no opposition. Tom Dart had no opposition. And the turnout in a 2014 primary in Cook County was very low. Okay. So the kind of candidates, the kind of issues make a big difference. And as you said earlier, referendum can make a big difference, particularly if they're meaningful. Um, but beyond that, it's, it's uh, really voting is kind of a habitual thing. That's why uh, we focus so much on the high schools. And you get young people, now 17-year-olds can register, mm-hmm. um, and you do all these programs in the high schools, and if they get into the habit of it, they will do that most likely for the rest of their lives. So it's important to catch people early and to try and articulate why it's important. I mean, young people, for example, they, they don't they have the mortgages that some of us have, uh, but they have all these other issues, school debt, loans. I mean, we're one of the few countries in the world that where people can actually charge you six or seven or eight or nine percent for your loans. A lot of places, uh, college is free or, or the loans is like a point zero percent. We give the banks billions of dollars and yet we allow the banks to charge our kids um, and young people these enormously high rates. And that's why we have young people with tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt by the time they're 21 or 22. It's absurd. It also means they're less willing to rock the boat. Right. Um, right. So there's things that we can do to uh, make these elections more important and more meaningful. Um, And sort of a lot of different ways to do it. So part of it's educating voters, deciding who you can listen to. Uh, For example, it comes to the judges. Uh, you know, there are the various bar associations come up with their choices. You right. Know, there's yeah. an African-American Bar Association. There's a Women's Caucus. There's a Chicago Bar Association. And so if you're not sure what to do with all these people on the ballot that are running for judge, look at these. Right. And you judge. I mean, it doesn't mean they're always right, but you can look at what they suggest because nobody has the time to review 78 judges. Right. right. I mean, at 78 contests, there could be. 500 candidates running for those 78 contests. Right. So there's a lot that can be done. Well, thank you so much. And uh, you guys can check this out at uh, coldpodcast.com slash Dear Black Voter. We also have voter resources for you there. And I'm trying to convince David Orr that he needs his own podcast. So hopefully that happens soon. Maybe do it together. (laughs) I appreciate you. That's right. Thank you. And nice to see you. Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to a segment from our biweekly series, Dear Black Voter. We invite you to check out our show notes and voter resources at coldpodcast.com. And don't forget to rate us 
and leave your comments on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the league and to find out how you can get involved and support our work, please visit our website at thechicagourbanleague.org.